the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. My name is Ronell Silverstone and I am your host for today. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, Hi Kids. And thank you so much for tuning in to 101.9 Hi FM and listening to the Hi Kids show. Today on the Hi Kids show, I'll be speaking to Rabbi Michael Katz. He's going to talk about Shavuot. Listen kids, you do not want to go away this show. Get ready for a very interesting show here on, on 101.9 Hi FM. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Renelle Silverstone and I am your host for today. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you. Let's begin. Why do we celebrate Shavuot? Okay. The celebration of Shavuot is really all about the time of the giving of the Torah. So we're celebrating Zman Matan Torah, the time when the Torah was given to us. That is really what we are celebrating. And the, there are several other things, um, that uh, pertain to it, but I think that people need to focus on this one important thing. It's the time when the Torah was given. So if we think about it, we got out of Egypt. We were in the desert for seven weeks. Yeah. And at the end of seven weeks, we stood at Mount Sinai and we received the Torah. And that's really the, Grand celebration that we have coming up over the next few days for Shavuot is because of the giving of the Torah. Wow. That is very, very interesting and amazing. It is. And it's it's actually, if you think about it, therefore, it should be the most important of all our Chagim, of all our festivals. Yeah. Because all the festivals are contained in the Torah. And the Torah is celebrated having been given on this day. So um, in Shavuot, actually, there is... Rosh Hashanah, and there is Yom Kippur, and there is Pesach, and there's Sukkot, and there's everything else, because that's all in the Torah, and that was all given to us at Mount Sinai. Yeah. Wonderful. I agree. <laughs> so, great big yeah. celebrations coming up. Yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> so then, when do we celebrate Shavuot? When do we celebrate it? So the celebration of Shavuot, it's an, an interesting question, and it may combine a couple of things that people... Um, are puzzled with when it comes to this festival. The festival is called Shavuot. It's got to do with, or the main name of the festival is Shavuot. It's got to do with weeks. One week is a Shavuot. Shavuot is weeks. It is the festival, the Chag of weeks. What are the weeks? Well, I've mentioned it before. There were seven weeks from when we got out of Egypt and Mitzrayim until we stood at Mount Sinai and we received the Torah. So we're counting those seven Shavuot, those seven weeks. The fascinating thing about this festival is that when the Torah talks about it, it doesn't talk about it in terms of a date. It doesn't say you must celebrate this festival on a particular date like all the other festivals are mentioned in the Torah. It just says you should count seven weeks from the beginning of Pesach, and when those seven weeks are completed, then celebrate Shavuot. So we understand that not only has it got to do with the time of the giving of the Torah, but it's actually got to do with the seven weeks that go before it and linked ultimately back to Pesach, which was seven weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> so then 
Is Shavuot, what day is Shavuot on in the Omer? So Shavuot, a very good question. We've count 49 days, so we count the seven weeks. Shavuot is actually the day after we complete the counting of the Omer. So the last count of the Omer is going to take place this coming Friday night. And then Saturday night is Shavuot. The Omer is finished, and then we go into Shavuot. So then how can we do it? How can we do what? How can we celebrate Shavuot if the Omer finishes? Because that's the way that the Torah tells us to do it. It says you've got to complete seven weeks and then have Shavuot. So so Shavuot is built on the foundation of Pesach and the Omer, but it follows on afterwards. It's a brand new phase. It's completely new. It's a new time. It's called Shavuot. It follows after we have completed the counting of the Omer. Interesting. (laughs) So... If Shavuot is in the month of June in English, but then what is it in the month of June in Judaism? Oh, so, sorry, not the month of June. <laughs> what, what month is it? Yes. yes. So it's actually interesting. It is in the third month. Now, in Judaism, the months don't actually line up with our years because Rosh Hashanah is like September time. The first month, we're told in the Torah, is actually Nisan, when Pesach was. So we've had Nisan, that was then followed by Iyar, which was in the middle of this whole Sfirata Omer period, and now we've gone into the month called Sivan. It's the third month. So in this third month, which began just a a few days ago, we are um, going into, and we've just gone into this third month, it's called Sivan. We've got to remember that the Torah doesn't remember, doesn't refer to the months by those names. It doesn't call Nisan Iyar Sivan. The written Torah itself just talks about month number one, month number two, month number three. This is the third month. In Babylonian times, they named it Nisan Iyar and now Sivan. So Shavuot is celebrated on the sixth and the seventh of Sivan, which is the month that we're in at the moment. So can you tell us the story of Shavuot? Well, the story of Shavuot is number one, got to do with the giving of the Torah. So the story behind it is that we went seven weeks walking in the desert towards that target. Remember, that was why we left Mitzrayim. That's why we left Egypt in the first place, was to get to Mount Sinai to receive the Torah. Hashem said, at this time, I'm going to give the Torah to you to bring down to earth, to make the world a completely different place, and to bring the worlds together. Before before Shavuot, before the time of the giving of the Torah, it's almost as though there were two, let's call it two worlds. There was the physical world down here, and there was the spiritual world up there. There was godly stuff, there was heaven, and there was earth. They were completely separate. If we think about it, Mount Sinai, which was a mountain, reaching up from down below and up into Shamaim, up into heaven, which Moshe Rabbeinu, which Moses went up and stayed there for 40 days and 40 nights after that first Shavuot. If we think about it, that um, event brought heaven and earth closer together. Hashem said, I want you to take this law, which is godly, which is heavenly. I want you to take the world, which is physical and material that you've been involved with and you're always involved with and we walk on and we touch and we can see and so on and I want you to merge them we need to bring them closer together and that's what the Torah actually and the giving of the Torah actually did and that's what happened on Shavuot but there are a number of other things that we do celebrate that are commemorated on Shavuot as well 
Um, for instance, it was known as the time of Bikurim. It was the Chag HaBikurim. It's the festival of the bringing of the first fruits. Now, when uh, we're not farmers and we don't uh, grow apples or pears or peaches and so on, that we have to bring um, as farmers to the temple for offerings. There's also no temple for us to bring those things to, but it was a time of Bikurim, the first fruits that were produced. Remember, in Israel, they're just going into the summer. So remember, there are spring fruits and then there's summer fruits, and the summer fruits were, were brought. They were brought um, at the time of the Bikurim, at the time of uh, Shavuot to the temple. So it became an added dimension to this special Chag. Oh. It's got to do with... Um, with, with, with that, with bringing of the fruits and, um, celebrating in that way and understanding again our connection. If you think about it, same story. We're showing that the, the fruit that we have grown, that we see in a physical sense is only really meaningful, not if, just if we eat it, but it's only really meaningful if we use it to make a connection between ourselves and Hashem. So there's so much meaning and so many layers and different um, ideas behind Shavuot. But the main one, of course, is this idea of Hashem and us coming a little bit closer um, through this special Chag. Well, if Moshe went up for 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain and got the tablets, when he came down, why did he break them? Oh, very, very good question. Well, the fact of the matter is that that was now 40 days later, right? So this didn't happen on Shavuot. On Shavuot, the people stood around the mountain. We heard the Torah, and we understand that we heard much more than just the Ten Commandments, um, which is apparent by a number of the things that we, that we know. They got the whole Torah at Mount Sinai on that day. But now not everything was explained and not everything was spelled out and not everything was in fine detail. Moshe left the next day. He went up the mountain and he spent 40 days and 40 nights up on the mountain doing nothing else but just getting God to transmit to him all the hidden stuff, all the things that wasn't there, that wasn't actually written down, that wasn't contained in the written Torah or in the Ten Commandments as, as they were. Forty days later, Moshe <laughs> is told by God, you better get down there. There's trouble in the camp. What had happened? Forty days later, some of the Jewish people were worshipping a golden calf. They had thought that Moshe had deserted them. They had thought that he'd gone away. And so when he came down the mountain and he saw the Jewish people worshipping the golden calf, he didn't want to really incriminate them, which means he didn't want to make them guilty of having broken God's Torah. And so he said, God, you know what I'm going to do? Well, I don't think he said this, but this was his thinking. I'm going to get rid of the, the, those tablets in the meantime. Let's not give it to them, not make them guilty. Um, I'm going to take it away. We're going to have to get them to repent and so on. And uh, then we'll have to bring it back to them at a later stage. So the breaking of the tablets happened actually on the 17th of Tammuz, the next month of Tammuz, 40 days after the giving of the Torah. Wow. <laughs> I'm speechless for it. <laughs> so then, if Moshe did that, what happened to the tablets? How did we get them? So the second set of tablets were uh, Moshe was told by God that he's got to cut out for himself. So the first ones were made by Hashem. The second ones, God said, okay, so you've seen what they've got to look like. You make. You cut out the second set of tablets, bring them up, uh, bring them to me, and uh, Moshe then goes back. On Rosh Chodesh Elul, on the beginning of the month of Elul, a little bit later, he comes back down with the second set of tablets, which he's 
he himself had cut out, he brings them down the mountain on Yom Kippur. It was a day of atonement. It was the day that God said, you know what, I've forgiven the people for worshipping the golden calf. I've forgiven everything that went before. So if we think, if we look at it carefully, there is 120 days that um, this whole story spans. It goes over 120 days. Started on Shavuot. 40 days later was the 17th of Tammuz when he broke the first set. Then he did repentance together with the Jewish people for 40 days. Went back up the mountain, but he made sure that the Jewish people repented for what they'd done wrong. 40 days later, he goes back up the mountain. On Rosh Chodesh Elul comes back down after 40 days. So it's 40, 40 days up the mountain, 40 days of repentance and 40 days back up the mountain for the second set, 120 days from Shavuot to Yom Kippur. Wow. But if Moshe went up for 40 days and 40 nights, since we're meant to study all night and all day, then how come he, did he study all night? I'm not sure that I'm getting your question. We're supposed to study all night and all day. Anyway, Sha- yeah. or on Shavuot are you talking about? Yes. Okay. The idea of sh- studying all night on Shavuot is not really taken from Moshe. But what, what, what I think you're getting at is why is the festival not 40 days long? Uh, let it be 40 days and let's not sleep for 40 days and 40 nights and study Torah. Well, first of all, the Torah never asks us to do things in any way that are impossible for us to do. The Torah, for instance, doesn't ask us to fast for two days. In uh, in uh, in sequence, we don't fast two days. The longest we have is a one-day fast, like Yom Kippur, right? The idea is that Torah never asks you to do anything that's impossible. To say to people, you're going to stay up for 40 days and 40 nights and learn Torah all the time, impossible. It's limited. Now, actually, nowhere in the Torah does it say that we have to stay up all night on Shavuot. The idea of staying up all night on Shavuot comes from something that we call Tikkun Leil. It means... We are fixing the night. Now, what do we have to fix about this night? Well, we're told that the Jewish people, when it came to the giving of the Torah, they actually didn't wake up in the morning. Could you imagine? They had been waiting for the Torah for seven weeks since they got out of Egypt. They'd been waiting for the Torah actually all their lives, and especially during the last year that they were in Egypt. Moshe was getting them ready. We're going to get the Torah. God is going to take us and he's going to give us his uh, great work, the Torah. And we're going to live by it and we're going to be his people, etc., etc., etc. Now the day has arrived. And the Midrash tells us, part of the Talmud tells us, that the Jewish people slept. They didn't wake up. Could you imagine? You had this biggest event in your life that could ever possibly have happened to you or to the whole world. And you're sleeping doesn't make any sense. The Jewish people didn't wake up. So we say, you know what? In order to fix that bad action of sleeping, we say to God, you know what? I'm going to stay up all night. I'm not going to be caught napping. I'm not going to be caught schlofing. I'm not going to be sleeping. I'm going to be awake when the sun rises so that I can receive the Torah once again come uh, the morning of Shavuot. In fact, interestingly enough, there are those who explain it in a completely different way. And they say that the Jewish people slept because they believed that when they were sleeping, their souls rose higher. Wow. And so when they were sleeping, they believed they would get a higher form of the Torah. They would get it on a higher level if they were sleeping. But the mistake that they made was Hashem wanted us to bring the Torah down to earth. He wanted it to be practical. He wanted it to affect the world. He wanted everything in the world to be absorbed 
by Torah and to change in that way. And we missed that point. So that's called, that's why we stay up at night. Tikkun Leil, we're fixing the night. It wasn't a terrible um, uh, oversight that we slept. It wasn't a terrible tragedy, actually, that we slept. But we want to fix, we want to make it, re- make ourselves realize that the reason why we study the Torah all night is because we love it so much and we want to bring it down to earth. I am learning so much about Shavuot <laughs> and I can't wait to learn more after the song. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Ragnar Silverstone and I am 11 years old. Let's carry on with our questions. Why do we eat dairy on Shavuot? Okay, the concept of eating dairy on Shavuot has got a long, long list of reasons. Let's start maybe with the most common and let's get to a couple of them that are a bit more rare. The first most common reason is that the Jewish people received the Torah and that's, as I told you before, it wasn't just the Ten Commandments, they got the whole Torah. They suddenly became aware on that day of all the rules of Kashrut, which they didn't necessarily have before, about slaughtering the animals, about draining the blood, about salting and soaking meat, about all of that stuff. And um, there they are standing around Mount Sinai and they weren't sure if they needed to make their vessels kosher, if they had to kosher their pots, if they had to uh, slaughter an animal. Could they eat meat? Could they do this? Could they do that? The only thing that they could be safe with was eating milk foods. And so we eat milk foods on Shavuot, particularly on the first day after we've heard the Torah, to kind of reminisce, to kind of think and link in to that kind of a mindset that, you know why we're doing this? is because our forefathers in the desert probably could only eat milchika foods on Shavuot on that day. But there are other reasons and probably a few a um, little bit more involved, a little bit, uh, some of them even nicer in a way. One of them is, you know, when a child is born, when you're very young, um, you uh, children survive on milk. Milk is a staple diet. If you think about it, kids at an early age survive on milk. And in a way, we're saying, you know what, Hashem, Torah is like milk. As we were born, so to speak, at Mount Sinai, what we are going to be nurtured on, what we're going to ingest, what we're going to swallow, what we're going to take on board is the milk of Torah. That's what we're going to have. There is another reason which I can give you, and that is we spoke before about the 40 days and 40 nights. Um, And if you take the word chalav, which in Hebrew is milk, Chet has a numerical value, a number value of 8. Lamed is 30 and Bet is 2. If you take 8 plus 30 plus 2, it adds up to 40. The 40 days and 40 nights linked with the fact that it was then that Moshe Rabbeinu that Moses left and, uh, and, and, and got us the whole Torah in its intricacies and every detail as we have it today. There is another reason which uh, seems probably a little bit more obscure, a little bit further away from um, the way we usually like to think, and that is that one of the references, particularly in the book of Psalms, to the mountain on which the Torah was given, which we know as Mount Sinai, it tells that the, that the mountain was actually called Har Gavnunim. It was called the mountain of cheese. <laughs> so we got, um, it was 
possibly because it looked like cheese. I don't know. It was a, a block of cheese that's cut off, you know, if you use your imagination, sort of sharp, white, white sand, etc. And maybe that is another reason. But as I said, there are many, many different reasons. Those are just some of them. Wow. Well, what are the laws between a man and his fellow and a man and his God? Okay, so the Ten Commandments were roughly divided into two parts. If we think about the Ten Commandments and actually if we think about the whole Torah, there is a whole lot that's written about the relationship between us and Hashem and us and our fellow men. Now, a lot of people will debate as to which are more important. Um, when great sages were challenged, we know over the over the, the history of Talmud and so on, when they were challenged as to what is more important, most of them opted to tell us, you know, the most important thing is love your fellow man, and all the rest is commentary or things like that. Don't do unto others as you wouldn't have them to do unto you. Now, we understand that our relationship with Hashem and our relationship with our fellow men are reflections of each other. You can't have a proper relationship with Hashem if you don't treat your fellow man right. You can't have a proper relationship with your fellow man if you don't treat Hashem right. The understanding that each person is a part of Hashem is a very, very important um, uh, principle in Torah. So we have laws between ourselves and Hashem and laws between us and our fellow men. So, for instance, in the Torah, it tells us, keep Shabbat. Does it affect your fellow man? Directly, if you do or you don't keep Shabbat? No. no, it doesn't. That's between you and Hashem. It says, uh, remember that there is only one God in the world. Remember to, uh, to, uh, that, that uh, you shouldn't have any other gods before me. Does that affect your fellow man? Not really. It's between you and Hashem. It says, you're not allowed to steal. Does that affect your fellow man? Yes, yes it does. It says you should not bear false witness. In other words, you should not tell lies and get other people into trouble. Go and be a snitch and uh, tell on other people and so on. Don't do that or don't be jealous. Those are all between man and man, between us and our fellow men. So the Torah is divided into, or the Ten Commandments per se, are divided into two parts. First five, more or less, are between ourselves and Hashem. And the second half are between ourselves and our fellow men. Wow. Since we got the Torah, why did we get it on Mount Sinai? Why not in Jerusalem or Egypt or something? Like Beautiful that? question. Why didn't Why didn't Hashem give it to us even in the borders of Israel? Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, is outside of the borders of Israel, um, from a Torah point of view. It's in, and even today, it's uh, somewhere in Egypt. It's in the, the Sinai Peninsula, which is not part anymore of Israel. It was for a while, but not anymore. Now that. Um, idea really was that Hashem wanted to give the Torah in no man's land. In fact, we don't even really know which is Mount Sinai. We don't really know where it was actually given. Because Hashem said this Torah is not about anybody owning it and saying exclusively it belongs only in this place and at this time and to these people. The Torah was given for the whole world. The Jewish people are supposed to spread it out and spread it around and get people to adhere to various parts of Torah and to be decent to each other and have justice and be fair and be kind and so on, all of those things. But Hashem wanted it to be in no man's land that nobody could say it was given here and it's the only place that it belongs. It was given to me and it's got nothing to do with anybody else. Well, why do we read from Megillah Ruth and not from this Torah? Well, we do read from the Torah. We read from the Torah on Shavuot, 
Um, we um, we read the, on the first day. We read the Ten Commandments. We read the whole thing about the giving of the Torah. The reading of Megillat Ruth, the story of of uh, of Ruth, um, um, is also read. It's additional. There are many people who read it. There are many people who don't actually read it, but study it on Shavuot. But um, it's not instead of. It is that it's additional. We also read about Ruth. Maybe after your break that you have to take, we'll discuss that a little further. Yeah. This has been Chai Kids, Four Kids, Bye Kids. My name is Renel Silverstone, and I am 11 years old. Thank you so much to my guest, Rabbi Michael Katz, for teaching us so much about Shavuot. And thank you so much to my producer, Mandy and Craig, for pushing the big red buttons. Join us on Tuesday for another Chai Kids show. Only on 101.9 High FM. Goodbye, Shabbat Shalom, and Chag Sameach. Enjoy your cheesecakes.